Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. Support for this episode comes from Paragus Northwoods Company, located in Ely, Minnesota. Hi, I'm Tom Colessa, retired elementary school counselor from northeastern Pennsylvania. I first met Steve Paragus about 20 years ago. A friendship was easily established. At that time, I did not know that Paragus Northwood Company existed. Around 2002, a friend of mine and I decided to do a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters. This was my second time to this area. This time, we chose Paragus Northwood Company as our outfitter. What a treat. Top shelf gear, a super lightweight Kevlar canoe, and almost gourmet food. Best of all, the outfitting department took care of permits, shuttles, but most of all, precise trip plans. For the past 10 years, I've traveled from northeastern Pennsylvania for an early season smallmouth bass fishing trip. We spend one week late May in the beautiful Boundary Waters. Pre-planning a trip is an integral part of any trip. Everyone at Paragus Northwood Companies makes me feel like the most prized and valued customer. Paragus Northwood guides are much more than a person who takes you into the Boundary Waters. They treat you with concern for safety, comfort, food, good preparation, but their utmost quality is they know how to fish and are willing to share their knowledge with you. Nothing better than a sore arm from catching fish, great campsite, and great food. Paragus Northwoods, Steve, Nancy, Ellie, just do a great job. And if you're looking for a great adventure, there's certainly people to choose. WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experiences were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters. And it's, it was really cool, it was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars, I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Baxley. And I'm Joe Fredericks. We are taking a second visit with Gabby and Warner from our original episode that launched this podcast series. You're going to hear all about their return to the Boundary Waters in a unique way today. You know, it's, it's a funny thing, Joe, what we humans do for entertainment and recreation. You know, I, I for no reason other than I want to, I, I go out in the cold winter, put skis on my feet, and I go ski around on trails and circles, and I come back to my car and I go home. You know, I, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, I don't have to get out to hunt food. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Yeah, and... You know, I think the same thing goes for ice fishing, particularly in the Boundary Waters, because it's motorless, which means 
you're gonna have to be on foot be it on snowshoe skis or, or just on foot and it's takes effort i mean it's a it can be a lot of work to get in to go ice fishing in the boundary waters and we do it i think the reason i do it matthew is because i like the process of it and i love the challenge uh the the ability to when i have a lake trout on the end of my line and i'm ice fishing that's it that's the world that's what's happening in front of me and you are not thinking about anything else be it your job your you know whatever the situation might be that's on your mind occupying your thoughts when that fish is on the line it's you and the fish and the same for me actually goes even into the process the getting ready the night before i got my vexlar charged up do i have uh, the auger ready to go blades good i got the sled i got boom 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 and it's your checklist yeah it's a whole checklist and the process is is fun for me i guess i'm doing it for entertainment uh, but also that ability to in a healthy way, sort of escape for a while while you've got that uh, fish in particular on the end of the line. Well, Joe, I, I think that's really well said. And I, I know there's a lot of people that can relate to that, uh, especially when you could just go to the grocery store and you could buy a fish and have that for dinner. You're going so much further beyond. And, you know, I'm really excited to hear uh, what the Germans' take is on ice fishing. Um, after this, are they going to? go back to buying their fish at the grocery store, or are they going to stick with going into the Boundary Waters? <laughs> well, we're going to find out, certainly, here in today's episode. And also coming up today, uh, we're going to hear from one of the key players involved with Frost River. That's a, a company manufacturer in Duluth. They make a lot of unique outdoor gear and packs and uh, have a variety of, of things that are made right here in Minnesota. In fact, just down the shore from us, Matthew. Locally made gear. And th- uh, we're going to be hearing all about um, how to take care of your hands when you're in the wilderness uh, this time of year. So warm and dry. Plenty of tips from a man who makes the gloves and gets out there and uses them. All right. Well, it's a full episode, and let's hop right back in where Gabby and Warner left it off, catching some fish in the Boundary Waters, lake trout in the Boundary Waters. And I asked him, actually, you know, what what do you think? This is your first time going ice fishing? Let's hear their thoughts. So here we are, we're out here in the Boundary Waters. It's January 2019. I am here with our friends on the podcast, Gabby and Warner. You remember them from episode one, of course, and now they're back for season two, episode one, out here on this frozen lake. So glad to be out here with you both. We do. It's a great day. We have sun, we have fun, it's warm, and we have one fish. (laughs) I think that's the key that we need to get right out there. Uh, I, I made promises about one year ago today about uh, how great ice fishing is, how if you came ice fishing with me, we'd catch unlimited amounts of trout. And so far we have one fish and we've only had one bite and it's just not really working out too well. But uh, still we have some jays over here eating the guts of the trout that we clean and spirits seem to be staying pretty high so uh this is your first time ice fishing yes Yes. of course (laughs) and we never thought that we will do it (laughs) and we never thought that we catch a fish so we have one fish that's fantastic (laughs) 
Yes, I, and I appreciate your good spirits about this because I know it, you know, isn't exactly wouldn't have been your number one thing to do. And I think what we need to do is share a little bit about um, the cost of this trout, if we can, <laughs> because there's some expenses that went into this. Uh, let's start with these boots that you're wearing, Warner. Those are some uh, impressive, hardcore I, winter boots. Yeah, I have those Beffin orange black winter boots uh, I've bought them because I have the size 14 mm-hmm. and it was necessary nobody up here has so big feet and so I it was necessary to 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 buy them because I was very afraid of cold feet yeah absolutely and, and it's been extremely cold here to start January and, and New Year's Eve and so forth, and in those couple nights before, it was 20 below zero one week ago today on Friday. So now we're out here and it's almost maybe 28, 30 degrees, something like that. But nonetheless, you've got, so the expense of the boots, there's one item. Uh, you also each bought a fishing license, I I hope, right? Yeah, oh, yes, of course, of course. can show you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, there I it is. Yeah. Okay, fishing licenses, yes, there's a, some extra expense. And then uh, here's here's something kind of unique is, is the cost of maybe um, a tow man from Grand Marais or <laughs> a, a, a full tank of gas. How come, what's going on with that? Oh, uh, this morning the windshield of our car was frozen and so I decided to run the uh, machine, the, the motor, mm-hmm. to get it uh, unfrozen. I opened the, not the driver's door, I opened the door on the other side put the key into the lock and start the engine. Then I closed the door and the door was closed. All doors. All doors. And the keys are inside the car. And now I hope the car is not running since uh, four hours that the locksmith had uh, repair the car and put the uh, keys out of the car. Baumans, one of the Baumans, the owner of the Golden Eagle, can help us. We don't know. We are out for fishing. <laughs> so, so what happened is the keys. You started the car. The keys were in the car. The doors got locked with the engine running. And and then you said, you know what? Tag with it. We're going fishing anyway. Yeah. That's dedication, and I okay. appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, I guess maybe now we're up to about oh. What four, five hundred dollars uh, total expenses for this yeah. one lake trout? That ah, uh, but I think the trout will be worth it. So <laughs> I, no discussion about the price. I hope uh, I hope that we don't overcook the <laughs> trout this evening. Yeah, pressure's on you now, Warner. Yeah. Uh, so well, let's just back it up a little bit. Uh, of course, you know I'm I know you, and people who listen regularly to this podcast uh, know who you are, but. You're from, uh, let's just give a little background. You come from Germany every year as, as you can, or maybe sometimes twice a year to the Boundary Waters. Is that right? That's yes, that's true. Correct. Yeah, and, and how did you uh, find out about this place? And you've been coming here for, for more than 20 years now, or, or how long? Tw- 22 years. 22 years, yeah. and you found out about it in a magazine, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, yes. in a cross-country magazine, and... That was a nice magazine we bought in San Francisco. And we look at it in the summertime and decide to go in wintertime skiing. 
And there we found the Golden Eagle Lodge. That was the prettiest lodge in the whole magazine. And so we, so we decided to come up here. Yeah, fantastic. Yes. Well, that's great. And, and I know you do canoe trips as well in the summer, and we've talked about that. And, and uh, you, you just seem to really enjoy this place. And, and it we, we likewise. Fall, we fall in love. Yeah, and I think it's fallen in love with you too. You know, a lot of people <laughs> around town, as we discussed before too, know you, look forward to your visits, uh, people all up and down the Gunflint Trail. So we're, we're grateful you're back. And, and you usually come in the winter to ski. One thing you'd never have done was go ice fishing. And, and I don't think you'd ever even done it, not just in the Boundary Waters, but anywhere. But anyway, in, in Germany, we don't have frozen lakes, so we can go ice fishing. Yeah. And uh, you each had the opportunity to drill one of the holes uh, while we're fishing. There's about 16, 15, somewhere in that range, 14 to 16 inches of ice now on Duncan Lake. Um, how did that experience go? What did you think of drilling the holes? I never can do it. I, I tried it. I couldn't do it. So I couldn't survive with ice fishing. But Werner? Yeah, but uh, it's very hard. Job. It's very hard to drill the hole by yourself. I prefer a motor drilling. Yeah. Yes, I. There's a. In the boundary waters. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not allowed, and, and uh, we didn't bring one here with us today. But uh, I'm sure that there are others who share that sentiment. Wing, yeah. wing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, good sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, uh, but anyhow, I mean, just the idea uh, of, you know, we've got a little shelter popped up over here. We ran some heat in there for a while, um, but otherwise we seem to be fairly comfortable. I, I think that's safe to say. Yeah. Yes. The sun is beautiful. And, and the perfect day. I am sitting it's... outside without gloves and everything is fine. Now, I want to point out, so one week ago, uh, it was the lake trout fishing opener for lakes that are entirely within the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. I camped out in this exact same spot that we're standing in right here now, and we woke up early in the morning, about 5 o'clock, and by 7.30, we had our limits of lake trout. We felt we could have stayed and caught dozens and dozens of fish in, in just no trouble at all. We drilled only two holes and we caught all the fish we wanted. I think that's another fisherman's fisherman story So <laughs> now we're out here. Now I said, Gabby and Warner, meet me at West Bearskin. We're gonna go out and catch lake trout all day long. And uh, it just hasn't happened, but, but I wanna let, you know, really thank you both for, for keeping spirits high and not getting down in the dumps or saying, what is this? This is a terrible. Uh, why, why do you think that some days, you know, is it just that's the way it goes, fishing and, and with wildlife and other things, you never know what's going to happen? Or how come your spirits are still so high? Uh, I think I think it must, I think we drown uh, Joe Frutis afterwards <laughs> in a hole. Yes, well, hopefully somebody will find this recording device and, and share my story with the world. But uh, otherwise, why... Why is it that you've been able to sort of stay in the, in the moment and, and have some fun out here today? Uh, the area, the sun, the quietness and outside. We, when mm -hmm. we wouldn't have the interview, it would be very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's kind of and part of it. You, you, you've been through these, you know, you're familiar enough with the Boundary Waters that you realize that it's not all about 
one certain thing that there's a lot of things that can happen on a trip and you can't necessarily predict that yeah but you can have fun with everything here and it doesn't depends how many fish you have or how many sun it's it's a wonderful peaceful place and yeah yeah cool and so oh a trout bites <laughs> i can oh oh joe help me oh well so the rod uh, is in, in, the, in the hole oh <laughs> well you missed that one too nice <laughs> you missed another one warner nice job uh well so one last thing i'd really like to talk about is this new fishing rod uh warner that you <laughs> you have uh it's uh, kind of a unique looking device and, and why don't you tell, uh, tell the yes. people about your new fishing rod. Yeah, I have the very nice fishing rod, uh, pair pink. pink, pink and a pair of barbies, <laughs> but that's a gender neutral uh, fishing rod. Yeah. And it's perfect. Yeah. And okay. it fits and it fits to my small hands <laughs> very, very well. Okay. Yeah, so Warner's got himself a new uh, pink Barbie fishing rod that came from uh, Grandma Ray. I was down a fishing rod, picked one up, and it, it just kind of went with the morning. So uh, we'll see. Unfortunately, it hasn't. we haven't been able to test it out and try to catch any fish with that particular rod. But uh, we've still got maybe about a half an hour to go or thereabouts, and then we'll have to start heading back to town. And, and we tried in summer. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes, you know. It's, it's, I'm just thankful that I was able to connect with you again and come out. And, and while you're here on this trip, uh, what do you think about the fact that you can go home and tell people, one day we went skiing, the next day we went ice fishing, and then the very next day we went and watched a sled dog race. Uh, what do you think, is that pretty, you know, is that something that you're excited to be able to tell people about? We can tell, but I don't think the people are so excited like we are because nobody in Germany knows ice fishing and they what it, what does does it mean ice fishing and uh -huh. you yeah. sit on a lake, uh -huh. make a hole in the lake and wait wait <laughs> to catch a all fish. Your, are you your, crazy? All your you fish. can buy it in every shop. Yeah. All your fish ice out of a cocktail glass. <laughs> <laughs> so so what about too uh, this the sled dog race? You've actually tomorrow's the Gunflint Mail Run sled dog race. Uh, starts at Trail Center Lodge on on the Gunflint Trail, and you've actually gone and checked that out in years past too, right? Yes, yes. And, and it's a very interesting event, mm -hmm. and I couldn't believe that the dogs are so crazy about running and that you're not able to hold them, and it's it. It's make it makes fun every yeah. time. So, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, what are your uh, final thoughts here about ice fishing in the Boundary Waters? Is this kind of uh, this you, you've now experienced it, and you can you can close the book on on what this is all about, maybe? Yes, the we have list. the bucket list. <laughs> ice, fishing. ice fishing. We've done it. <laughs> All right. But well, perhaps we give you a chance next year. Yeah. I'm more than happy anytime that you ever want to go and you're in the country, please please look me up and, and we'll come out here and we'll try to do a little bit better next time. We caught one lake trout. We had uh, all our lines in all day for many hours and, and just had the one bite. So fortunately, the one bite we had, at least we caught the fish. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm out here. 
in the Boundary Waters is Gabby and Warner. Uh, <laughs> such a pleasure to be out here with you. Thank you both. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Joe. Thank you, Joe. There you go. That's uh, our return to episode one, season one of the podcast. Another outstanding experience with Gavin Warner up the Gunflint Trail in the Boundary Waters. And Matthew, if I am not mistaken, that was one of the things on your Christmas wish list for this year. It sure was. From episode 12, (laughs) it was you wanted the Germans to come back and they delivered evidently you did something <laughs> right last year because in, they, I, think they I came was back. good I was good last year <laughs> hey well uh, a great experience up, up the gunflint in the boundary waters with Gabby and Warner and a huge uh, shout out thanks to them and, and uh, just for being open to go on ice fishing you know that's how that whole thing came about was I was hanging out at Golden Eagle Lodge with them and you guys ever go ice fishing this was after we had recorded no, no, this a, sounds terrible, you know, Some, mm-hmm. something to that effect, or boring, or, or whatever. That's a but, reference to needing to drink to yeah, get he said, through it. It sounds like you would just sit there with a drink and stare in a hole, you know, <laughs> what Warner's interpretation was, and, and perhaps for some it is, but when you get into the Boundary Waters, you got to get in there. So uh, there's always the physical aspect of things when you're talking BWCA fishing, ice fishing. You know, and speaking of getting into the Boundary Waters in the winter, that's what it is. It's winter right now. And uh, if you happen to have picked up uh, Backpacker Magazine, uh, the January issue, you will, uh, if you were paging through, may have come across a winter camping route into the Boundary Waters. Uh, It's a good one-page article, but that route featured in this issue of Backpacker Magazine is the route Joe and I took and documented from last January. Uh, which happened to be uh, when we recorded episode two of the podcast. And uh, we just wanted to let you guys know that you can check out more details about uh, that trip and the route and the planning of that trip uh, by picking up that issue of the magazine. Yeah, so it's Backpacker Magazine, very popular. I mean, it's distributed all over the country and probably internationally, I would imagine. And uh, you just go to the January issue and page 27, there it is. It's actually got a map of... Uh, starting at Poplar Lake in the middle Gunflint and then zooms down to Windchill Lake uh, where we actually camped. I mean, we, we put this article together, Matthew, and got it in the magazine here. And it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's got the whole route and hopefully people from all over the country see this. And, oh, Boundary Waters in the winter. That sounds interesting. That was kind of why we pitched it to the magazine. And uh, also along that front, you know, we want to talk a little just briefly about the gear because, uh, this trip wouldn't have happened, Matthew, without some support from some uh, local organizations. And, and uh, of course, uh, Sawtooth Outfitters and Tofty provided us a lot of gear, the tent and sleds. Stove, uh, toboggans. I mean, they supported the trip in a huge way. So It wouldn't uh, happen without those guys. And I think, you know, for people that are coming from, you know, California, New York, or Florida, whoever reads this, they're going to probably need to get some gear, I would imagine or assume. And so uh, that's a place... And also, uh, those hawk skis that we talk about in the episode, uh, I picked up a pair from Stone Harbor Wilderness in, here in Grand Marais. So that's the trip wouldn't have happened without some support from these local businesses. Yeah, and, and you know, we just want to say a big thank you to all all those folks. Um, really grateful that that they're invested in the podcast and invested in the Boundary Waters. Uh, that's the thing we're all here to gather around. 
So thank you to all of them. Yeah, and thanks to Backpacker for being interested yeah. in, the, in the Boundary Waters. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. And, and we may uh, even be connecting again with them uh, to be continued. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah, so I'm interested, Matthew. Uh, the day Gabby and Warner and I were out in the Boundary Waters, pretty warm day. It wasn't like a, a bone-chilling day like the lake trout opener was this year back <laughs> on December 29th. <laughs> uh, uh, 20 below zero camped right. out that night with my cousin Jeff. Uh, but... You got to think about your hands. I mean, your hands, your feet, your face, you know, so, so important on a trip like this and and going ice fishing in the Boundary Waters. And we wanted to really kind of focus on that. And you, you picked up on somebody that could give you some information. Yep. Let's, uh, let's just jump right into the conversation with David Hooley, Frost River. Uh, He's going to talk all about how to take care of your hands and be prepared for getting out in the wilderness in the winter. It is my pleasure to welcome David Hooley of Frost River in Duluth, Minnesota to the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. Welcome, David. How are you this fine winter day? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. It's our pleasure. David, as you know, we're going to be talking about uh, a range of winter mitts that will be ideal for various uh, forms of travel and activity. Uh, Mm -hmm. on somebody's winter trip in the Boundary Waters. But before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience of the Boundary Waters. Well, I'm a real big fan of the Boundary Waters. I like to travel there all four seasons. Um, Summertime gets my most of my um, focus. I make more summer trips than I do winter trips. But um, wintertime, it's a magical place. And um, I've got a chance to go up there a couple of times with some friends of mine that I've met at the Winter Camping Symposium, and that's a gathering of winter enthusiasts that happens every October up in Camp Miller. Um, It's a YMCA Camp Miller up there, and um, it's a unique collection of um, Boundary Waters enthusiasts, winter campers, and I've learned a lot and um, got a chance to go on a couple of trips with um, some guys there and really, really like it, traveling in the wintertime in the wilderness. Yeah, about this time last year, uh, we had Dwayne Lodig on talking about mm-hmm. uh, hot tents, and he just sang the praises of that winter symposium. It sounds like an amazing place to uh, learn a lot. Yeah, it really is. And um, Dwayne pulls out all the stops, and he does um, snow trekker tents, and he normally has um, six, eight, ten tents on display, as well as um, all of the rest of the people that use his gear. So there's plenty of... Um, Snow Trekker Tents about the Winter Camping Symposium and um, Hot Tents. It's the best way to travel in the winter woods is um, being able to seek refuge in a heated shelter and dry out all your gear and cook your dinner and whatever you need to do and relax and reset in a warm tent. It's um, it's the best way to travel. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that, David. And I think every Boundary Waters traveler goes through a bit of an evolution when shifting from, you know, what we typically think of the win- the summer travel in canoes yep. and uh, beautiful scenery and green, lush, blue water. Um, what was your evolution like moving from your summer experience into your winter experience? Well, it's still evolving. I'm finding that um, I really like summer trips because you get to fl- 
float all your gear along and you don't have to carry it all the time. When you come across a portage, you need to um, get it up and over land and realize everything you're carrying. But for the most part, it um, rides in the canoe, and as long as everything fits in there, it's um, kind of the sky's the limit as far as what you can bring. still need to be sensible and not overburden your canoe, but um, for my winter trips, I've found that I need to act have a little adopt a little bit of a backpacker mindset more of than more than a canoeing mindset in that I need to pare down some of the things I bring and insulation is key and in, um, being able to stay warm but um, still working to cull out some of the extra weight that I bring along on winter trips so when you head in in the winter are you on skis snowshoes do you pull a sled or are you always carrying a pack what's your setup I'm working to make my toboggan a little bit longer. I found out that um, that long and low is the way to go, and um, high and short is um, not preferred. Right. You get more glide, uh, which increases your uh, efficiency when moving over ice and snow. Is that the idea? Yep, that's the idea. And also, there was a situation that I came in where I got into some softer snow, and found that I was a little bit top-heavy, and my toboggan didn't want to, um, I wanted to try to tip over. Right. And I had a hard time riding it at one point. So I'm going to um, work to keep it a little bit lower on this next trip and work to extend it out out the back a little bit further. Yeah, I mean, that's a great example of, there are some things you just don't learn until you get out there. Yeah. And and it sounds like you're kind of in the thick of that in your process of fine-tuning your setup and making it more efficient. Um, And lighter, too. I've found that um, it's not quite the same paddling as it is pulling a toboggan. You still um, feel the weight a little bit more. And um, I said, man, I'm not not bringing quite as much on this next one. Right, right. Because you really do feel it. Yeah, you do. And it's, um, like I said, you need um, insulation, but with the... um, with the wool stove and the canvas tent, you're able to dry it out, and I found that I didn't need um, backups for backups for insulation, that I could rely on the wood stove to um, dry stuff out if, I, if it got wet, and um, I didn't need to carry as much. So, David, do you have uh, any particular winter destinations in the Boundary Waters that you try to revisit or look forward to to checking out the contrast uh, from winter to summer, or are you uh, hitting new places every time? I've been hitting new places every time, and it's kind of a focus of um, what kind of trip we want with the group. Um, a lot of our trips have been um, trekking expedition trips where they're pretty ambitious for mileage, and then I've also been on base camp trips where it's um, get into a spot and then set up a camp and do day trips from there. I haven't been on a pure fishing trip into um, multi-day into the Boundary Waters yet, and that's something that I would like to um, explore. And I would think that leaving sooner rather than later would be a great fishing trip because um, fishing is always best with um, early in the season or late in the season, but early in the season you don't have quite as much ice to have to drill through, and the fish are um, generally more active and a little hungrier early in the year. That I would like to do a... um, fishing trip late November, early December, into January before the ice gets too thick and still find active fish. So that's still a, um, that's still a goal that I have that I haven't, um, I haven't met yet. Well, you know, this is the perfect time to make that goal a reality. It is January in the Boundary Waters. The ice is 
thick and safe for travel, and Mm -hmm. trout season is upon us. Uh, The coveted lake trout in the Boundary Waters uh, is a a goal for many anglers uh, Mm -hmm. heading in this time of year. And those anglers or any of the the winter travelers are going to be thinking about their hands and how to keep their hands warm. Uh, You have a variety of options that you're going to share with us from your, let's let's call it professional experience. Yes. Yeah, we have mitts that will um, help to keep hands warm. And, oh, there's nothing like a good set of mitts after, especially if the fish are biting and the hands are cold and they're not minding you like they should it's great to have a set of mitts to slide them in and um, offer some sanctuary. So uh, m- maybe if you could explain to some of our listeners that don't maybe don't know or maybe new to this concept, uh, there isn't many um, gloves or mittens that fit uh, every situation. So what's the benefit of a mitt over a glove? Um, and what are some of the options in between that you would recommend and, and what sort of activities you would associate those options with? Yeah. Well, mitts are great. They'll keep your hands warm because your fingers get company. They get each other to help um, keep them warm. So right out of the gates, um, a set of mitts will be much warmer than a set of gloves because um, your fingers get to be together and you get a little bit more spots to move. And um, our great northern mitts, they come up really high. They have a gauntlet attached to them, and those are our warmest. Those are our top mitts. They're um, made of wax canvas, so they offer a little water repellency to them and are built extra tough. And then inside we have um, a really cushy lining, and then the high wrist comes up over the over your forearm and your sleeve to um, get everything working together, seal all the drafts off. Waterproof, insulated, and high design to keep the snow out so that there's nothing getting in there making your hand wet or cold yep drafts or otherwise it's um sealed off and the great northern mitts those are our um top of the line for keeping your hands warm and then we have our northern pacific mitts that are same construction they just don't have the they don't have the high gauntlet on them so if you have great big um jacket sleeves and don't want to deal with the high gauntlet, or they, um, the Great Northern Mitts fit in a pocket a little bit better, too, where I find that um, for me on a winter trip, I'll have three sets of um, gloves with me, one of them being mitts for got to warm up my hands, extreme cold, and then I normally have a set of gloves. Um, I like to use my ski gloves for a little bit higher activity, hiking, skiing, um, gathering wood when it's you're not being too rough on your gloves, but like using a um, bow saw or something like that where you have more activity. I like to switch my mitts so that I don't end up breaking a sweat and um, going sweating through the insulation of my, my big choppers. Because that's the challenge with a big mitt is they'll keep your hands warm, but if you got to use your fingers, you don't have that dexterity. You don't have the dexterity, and also you don't want to sweat and have sweaty hands and um, soak your insulation in your mitts. So I like to switch to a lighter set of gloves when I'm working hard and um, keep from breaking a sweat and um, putting that into the insulation. So you're basically translating normal layering for the whole body. You're bringing that down and specifically talking about how you can layer with your hands, or at least in this case, switching out so that you keep your hands safe, warm, and dry. Exactly. 
And I've also found that um, the insulation in your arms adds a lot to keeping your hands warm, too. Say more about that. You, well, if you normally um, fight with cold hands on a, on a trip or even moving around out in the world, um, take a look at how your arms are insulated. Maybe you need an extra fleece layer under your jacket or something like that to keep the blood warm going from your body down your arms before it even gets to your hands. Right, so that's like that's a, a window between your warm torso and your cold right. hands that a lot of heat can escape, and you're talking about yeah, that, keep, keeping that sealed up. Yeah, that blood's got to go through um, through your arms before it gets to your hands, and if it's cooling off, it doesn't matter what kind of mitts you have. If you've got um, cold arms and are cooling your blood off, you're going to end up with cold hands. David, can you tell us a little bit about the benefit of going with a canvas mitt over, say, like a nylon? Yeah. Um, for us especially, um, we answer the question, um, should I get a canvas wax canvas mitt or should I get a buckskin mitt? And there's a bigger difference there between the wax canvas and the nylon because the wax canvas and nylon, they behave very similar. I mean, they both offer water repellency and snow repellency. But... Um, with the buckskin mitt, um, you get a lot better dexterity. They stay flexible and um, they don't um, get hard and stiff like um, wax canvas and nylon can when it gets real cold. And they also offer um, better durability. Um, that deer skin or even um, even cowhide leather, it's um, it's tough like nothing else, and that um, it's like a pair of work gloves. So you get a little bit better dexterity with the um, leather mitts than you do with um, wax canvas or nylon cordura. But then um, you get better water repellency and snow repellency, especially when it's getting warm out. Warm and sloppy, um, I kind of like um, a nylon or wax canvas mitt. But for cold, dry, it's, it's pretty tough to beat a buckskin chopper. And, and this is the season for it. Uh... Yeah. I, I know we're going to be looking at some sub-zero temperatures uh, throughout this time of the year, and it, it sounds like that that level of insulation and dexterity is going to perform uh, while in the wilderness in the winter. But I know another yeah. question that uh, comes up a lot is uh, durability and longevity. So how, mm -hmm. do, how do these hold up year after year, uh, especially when you're... Um, you know, we're talking about hot tent camping, so you're having to go out and harvest your wood and, and, and dealing with the stove and those contrasts and temperatures. What's going to hold up out there? Well, the wax canvas does a really good job of um, being water repellent and also resists abrasion. And then we have um, tins of um, wax that you can reapply the um, wax coating to the mitts. Um, Originally, from the manufacturer, they take care of all of the waxing of the canvas, and they got some special techniques to get the wax down deep in the fibers, so it's um, very durable and there to stay. But as you use them, it's, um, the wax is going to migrate out. It's going to not maintain its water repellency quite as much um, years after. So you can reapply, and a little bit of heat from a hairdryer or maybe a wood stove, but a hairdryer is a little bit more controlled. And you can um, put some more wax on and heat it up a little bit, get it to sink back down to the fibers and refresh the um, wax coating. 
and all of our mitts also have a leather palm on them. So the real high areas, um, you get the best benefit of um, leather and canvas over the over the palm and into the thumbs. And then um, we also do um, a Pennsylvania chopper, where that has um, it's all leather, and then it has removable liners, so you can. Um, bring two liners on a trip and um if you wet one out then you could swap it and um put the fresh liner in dry out the other one and that also helps for um durability too i think the um the choppers will last longer simply because you can um replace the insulation replace the guts on it and keep the um leather shell out in the world working and um keeping hands warm yeah so I'm definitely hearing that uh, if you want longevity, you have to invest in maintenance. You have to take care of your glove. You have to give it um, those reapplications and make sure that uh, it's going to be able to uh, withstand the elements. So that sounds like a huge piece. Um, And then, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, removable liners. That's a feature that we're seeing more and more in our winter mitts. And uh, being able to change those out, I think it's easy to be to think, oh, I got my gloves, I'm on my way. Um, but it sounds like you throw in an extra liner just in case you can have a, a backup out there. Yep. And for me, um, wool is the best. I almost always favor um, a wool liner for choppers because um, I'm a wool guy. That's um, steady and true, and it behaves itself around fires. And um, for checking a wood stove, you aren't going to melt a um uh insulation a um, synthetic insulation you know what you get with wool and um that's my favorite yeah and wool has some really unique properties too and probably the best would be um if you can find a grandma to knit you a set of um wool liners those (laughs) would probably be the best in the world do you have one of those grandmas david yeah yeah i have a set of uh wool liners for my grandma and i don't use them quite as hard (laughs) as i used to but um but there have been times where I've used them hard and relied on them, and now they're kind of um, they're special to me, so I take it easy on those. Oh, I bet you do. That sounds like a special pair. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. have I don't have a grandma that can uh, make me some liners, so I, I may be hitting you up for uh, uh, a little adoption process here. <laughs> there you go. Either that, <laughs> or it'd be a great way to start a conversation with um, with a grandma that um, takes pride in making wool liners. Hey, would you give me a set of those? No kidding. You know, it's it's really interesting how, um, you know, you're talking all about materials, and you're talking about a lot of natural materials, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what you guys do best, right? That's what we do best, but that's kind of, um, yeah, there's all kinds of sophisticated um, fibers and stuff like that, but for winter camping, and especially in a canvas tent and a wood stove, um, for me, canvas and leather and wool it just all kind of goes together and fits and um works together yeah nylon is great but um you know what you get for sure with um canvas and leather and wool it's um there's no denying the steadfast durability and just the feeling you get of um being in the winter woods with um natural materials i really like them well and that and that tradition goes back you know, generations and generations. Uh, in generations. The, in the design process, did you um, find that uh, replicating the old designs worked really well, or did you have to do some innovating in that process? Well, there always, there's always innovation, but um, I find that um, 
that the bigger the better, that air is a great natural insulator, and any time you can trap air next to you, you're um, going to stay warmer. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with and um, traveled with um, Kevin Kinney from Empire Woolen Canvas, and he does a lot of designing of clothes. We do a lot of designing of bags, so we work together quite often. And um, Kevin says that his jackets, they, um, his Empire Woolen Canvas jackets, they aren't flattering and they aren't going to win any fashion competition. <laughs> But they um, trap some air next to you, and it's kind of like wearing a tent. Mm-hmm. Where it, um, it'll keep you warm, but it might look a little strange. But that's um, that's part of the design. That's the way it's supposed to be. And um, you're trapped a little bit of air next to you, and that's a good thing. Well, I, I think it's safe to say that we all head into the Boundary Waters specifically to get away from fashion judges and to yes. operate in the realm of the practical. Uh, yes. And, and that's really what it's all about. So what are what are some trips that you have slated for this winter? Or if you don't have them planned yet, where are you hoping to go? Any specific lakes or routes that you have in mind? Well, we're talking about um, making our way over toward Knife Lake this winter. Um, last winter, we um, took the four-mile portage from Fall Lake into um, Basswood. And I thought that um, the four-mile portage is... Um, also, it's a great time to do it is in the winter time. As I was looking around, I was seeing the lowland areas that we were going through, and I bet you it's awful swampy there in the summertime. Indeed, so I was happy to um, say that I was on the four mile portage, and um, I think it's best served in the winter. <laughs> yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And then this year we're talking about heading for Knife Lake, and I'm not sure if we're going to push all the way into Knife or if we're going to stop and base camp at Splash Lake and then make a day trip into Knife. But if we do, we should um, probably bring some um, lake trout fishing gear and um, go after some lake trout for a day on Knife. That sounds like an amazing trip. Uh, do you have any idea what the mileage is there? Um, into Splash, it was um, it was right around three and a half, and then I think it's about another two or three into Knife. And last year we got some um, we have some travelers coming up from further south than um, where I am in Duluth, so we got a little bit of a later start. And when we were doing um, the four mile into Hoist Bay of Basswood, it was starting to get a little bit eveningish by the time we got in for camp. And um, some of us, me included, were came in um, tired, cold, and sweaty. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to do a little bit shorter first leg and not push it quite so far before we um, make camp on that first day. So that's why we were looking at Splash Lake. Yeah, that sounds like a great plan. Uh, Knife Lake is uh, one of those destinations that repeatedly comes up on the podcast as um, one of the most magical portions of our Boundary Waters wilderness. Um, Have you spent much time on that lake? Um, Summertime, yes. Um, I've been um, there in the summertime a couple of times now, and it really is magical. It's um, First, what occurs to me is the clear water mm-hmm. and the, the clear water and the depth. It's, um, it's a classic Boundary Waters lake, and it's right up on the border, so it's um, a border route lake, and it's got so much territory. Um, we spent some time on the south arm of Knife, and then into um, Knife Lake itself, and then um, 
cut across from um, South Arm into the, or from the main lake down to South Arm. That- and was amazed at the fish we caught, um, both um, lake trout and I think we picked up some northerns too. But just um, the fishery in the Boundary Waters is so tremendous. Um, there's so many fish there. And they're so it's not difficult to find volunteers. Um, you don't know what you're doing. You still get a pretty good chance of catching fish just because they're out there and they're hungry. Yeah, but if and you could get in with um, with a group that really knew what they were doing, it would be um, it'd be great fun to get into Knife Lake, um, seriously looking for lake trout. I really hope that you uh, make that trip happen this year, David. Uh, one last thing I want to bring up uh, in regards to winter travel is. Um, this this idea that I think you know you can head in on a beautiful um, sunny winter day, and mm-hmm. you know you have maybe a, a good snowpack and you can fly across the lakes, but those conditions can change when you're out there. Uh, you can yeah, get a, a snowfall uh, that can drastically alter your travel speed and your conditions. Um, that really I think demand a level of awareness. Uh, around how that change can impact your experience. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that you'd like to share? Certainly. Um, it can definitely change, and that's why I really like um, traveling with a group of people that I trust. And um, and if I got into a bind, I could count on them to um, help me out and that they would keep a cool head and, hey, guys, we can get out of this. So it's um, it's important for me to travel with some people that I trust and can rely on and also knowing the conditions that you're going in on. Um, I went in with my dad on a short day trip into snowbank a couple of years ago and it ended up to be the first day of spring. We didn't realize that it was going to get quite so warm and it was, um, it was early March and we went in and everything was just fine. We were staying on top of the crust, but then the day wore on and the sunshine got stronger and it started to melt and, um, we were having a great day fishing and um, had our shirt sleeves rolled up and big coats off and everything was fine. But then we started to go back out and we lost our crust. So we ended up um, having to slog back and that ended up to be um, a little bit more harrowing than we had anticipated because um, we were sinking into the soft snow rather than um, being able to stay on top. So, um, yeah, it can get exciting um and go from pleasant to, um, boy, this is a lot of work in a hurry. So travel well and um, try to allow yourself some extra time. And most importantly, David, have the right mitts. Yeah, and have a set of good mitts. And something that our customers really like in relation to fishing is um, the mitts. You can um, you can either shake them off with a snap of the wrist or um, get them in underneath an armpit and pull them off with an armpit, but um, they're designed to um, be able to get off in a hurry because there's nothing worse than having a set of mitts or gloves on when you got a um, line going out the hole to um, <laughs> not be able to get out and grab a hold of the fish. Time is of the essence, right? <laughs> yes. Well, David, I, uh, I want to really um, express a gratitude uh, from us at the podcast that you took the time to come on and share your experience today and share... Um, some options around keeping hands warm. Uh, Definitely. Any last words you have for our Boundary Waters podcast listeners? 
Well, um, I like to, like we talked about a little bit before, I like to bring a selection of um, items from my hands. I'll bring a big pair of mitts, a lighter weight but still um, insulating um, pair of gloves, and then a pair of work gloves. And the work gloves will really help to keep the wear off of the mitts and my light-duty ski gloves for um, splitting wood and really um, using them like work gloves. Most of the time I'm moving around quite a bit then and my hands don't get real cold, but if they do, I'll switch back into the mitts again. And then um, I invite folks to, if they're down in our neck of the woods in Duluth, to stop into the store. Um, Our mitts run big, and you get a chance to try them on and make sure you get the right size and um, try the different styles on we have and ask for a tour. If at all possible, we love doing tours of the shop. We um, are making mitts and all of our packs and bags right upstairs and downstairs from the store. So if folks stop in, um, I'd be happy to give them a tour or any one of our other um, folks in the shop here. Or a lot of us are qualified to do tours and love talking about um, making mitts and making packs and bags in Duluth. Um, really appreciate the support. And um, it's um, it's special to travel with um, stuff made in Minnesota, in USA. It's um, all made for going into the woods, into the boundary waters. And um, we really appreciate the support. So thank you for having me on, and um, I don't mind talking about winter camping and um, winter gear at all. I love it. So thanks a lot. Oh, you're so welcome, David. Uh, There you have it. Uh, That's uh, everything you need to know uh, about getting out there, keeping your hands warm in the wilderness this winter. Uh, I hope that our listeners take you up, David, on checking out Frost River and everything you do, and sounds like that tour would be an amazing experience. Uh, I hope to catch it myself. Uh, Outstanding. And I really hope to see you out in the ice this winter, David. Yeah, folks, get out there. Winter's a marvelous time to um, get outside, and you can have the boundary waters to yourself um, if you just get up and in. But um, find a group that um, that you trust. It's a lot easier with um, the right gear. It's all about the relationships. Thanks a lot, David. Yeah. All right, thank you. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and good winter time to you. You too. All right. Well, some interesting discussion there, Matthew. I really like the idea, too, that, you know, winter, there's a lot of stuff you got to keep in mind about safety and uh, just, you know, staying warm, staying safe. But I think something that we're sort of just coming across without even having to really say it, although I'm just about to say it right now because (laughs) I just can't help it, is that, you know, the boundary waters in the winter is equally as fantastic as other parts of the year, if if not even more so in some aspects. Indeed. I, I've i definitely come to fully know that in this last year of the podcast. And uh, there's a lot of the people that, that, ha- that have known that for years and years, uh, like David. Uh, but there's, I'm hoping, plenty of people who are discovering that right along with us. Yeah, and I think that's why Gabby and Warner started making two trips every year. You know, they do a, a winter trip for a couple weeks. They'll stick around the Gunflint Trail and go into the Boundary Waters. And then they'd come again in the summer and do, you know, extended canoe trips. Um, so it's it's got a little bit of everything. The winter's got the beauty, the still, the the scenery. It's just outstanding. And and uh, as we heard from Gabby and Warner, you can even catch a lake trout while you're up in the boundary <laughs> waters. <Yep. laughs> hey, well, a lot of fun on today's episode. 
you know, wh- wherever you are right now, whether you're uh, 80 degrees in January or, or negative 10 degrees in January, we just want to thank you for joining the podcast, for listening. We want to thank Paragus for their sponsorship, and we want to uh, thank uh, all of you uh, for being a part of this Boundary Wires community, and uh, it's launching off season two uh, with a bang. So until the next time in February, right here on the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast, nobody keeps it more real than you do, Matthew Baxley. (laughs) Roger, over and out. I just sing when I paddle Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true We're gonna get through to the other side out in the night the waves beat the shore You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar Oh, roll me, rock me